tonight, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mark. Uh, I just have the awesome privilege of getting to lead this group of people. Uh, I, I love the church. I love what, that, what God designed. And it's not Kingsway, and it's not this building, because I know that there's many of you from other churches tuning in tonight. Or, uh, and some of you, maybe you're not even a church person, but someone told you to tune in. We're glad that you're uh, listening in tonight. So I just want to say thank you to you for taking this time tonight to, to uh, spend with us. And so I know that uh, many are at home tonight. You're self-isolating. Um, you're social distancing. Maybe you're trying to stay busy through this past March break, especially if you have kids. It can be a little bit of a, of a lot going on. Maybe you're feeling like, ah, I'm just bordering on the, the edge of sanity. Uh, maybe you've like resorted to telling knock-knock jokes just to try and keep you know, yourself. Uh, it, whatever. I, that, I know that's a far way to go. But when I was thinking about it, I thought, man, there's some knock-knock jokes that I just absolutely love. And I thought, I wonder, could you do knock-knock jokes over the internet and it would still work? I have no idea, but I'm gonna try my favorite one with you tonight anyway. So knock, knock. Who's there? Everyone at home, did, did, did you respond? <laughs> Let's try one more time. It's really, you know, shout it out. So knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cat. Meow! <laughs> I still don't know if that worked. Uh, but you know what I do know about interruptions is that no one likes them. Nobody likes to be talking and have someone else, you know, pop up and say, well, here's what, here's what I think. Uh, and, and especially, I think there's only one worse thing than being interrupted, and that is being interrupted by a cat. So uh, tonight, I just want to talk about the, the thought that our lives have really been interrupted. For almost everyone, no matter what normal life used to be, it's not anymore. Like, it was like, maybe for you, life was really good, and all of a sudden now, it's like, man, there's all these questions you just never had before. As you read the news and we see the COVID-19, uh, one of the things that is common all over is, is the COVID-19 response. Uh, different churches, different organizations, uh, hairdressers. I got the letter today from the hairdresser saying, we're closed. Uh, the person who's making my eyeglasses, we're not doing that anymore. Dentists only if it's an emergency, everything is now closed. That's their response. I get new emails every day from a different response to the covid uh, 19 situation. But my question for, for you tonight, because even Kingsway, we have a COVID-19 response, and you can find that on our, on our website, and we update that periodically. But my question is, and I had to ask myself this, what, what is my response? What's our response? What's your response? Have you considered your individual response to COVID-19? Have you considered your individual response to what's uh, going on? Maybe you've said, yes, my response is, I'm going to find toilet paper anywhere, and I'm going to find hand sanitizer somewhere, and uh, that's, uh, once I have it, mission accomplished, that's my response. Or maybe your response was like, no, I'm signing up for that free week of Disney+. Plus. They know how to get us Dutch people, right? Because uh, it's a free. And so maybe that was your response, or you've signed up for Netflix, or whatever it may be. That's your response. But I'd encourage you tonight, and myself as well, to just take a look at three other responses that I think we should consider. And so here they are, here they are tonight. The responses, I simply call this my or our response, because it's not just everyone else's. What about yours as an individual? This first one is, what's your response to one another? To the one another's in your life. Uh, when I think about that to the Jesus followers, tonight this is for you. If you say, yes, I'm a Jesus follower, my question is, have you considered your response to one another? What will be my response to my brothers and sisters who are going through this? Who the ones, the only ones, I only get to see them online. You know, maybe that's through Facebook or Instagram or, or other ways you, you get to see them. 
What's your response going to be to that? Because sometimes, you know, as you read on, online, you see the stuff on social media, maybe it's like, what's my response going to be to those people who are complaining all the time about everything that they don't get to do right now? And, and, and your list is just way higher. You think, man, they got nothing to be complaining about. Maybe you're like, you know, considering what, what's your response going to be to those who are overreacting and they're living in fear and you're like, I don't even think they're Christians, man. They're so bound by fear. What's your response going to be? What's your response if maybe you're the opposite? You're the ones who are like, they are not reacting enough. Man, this is like, this is a big deal. They're not social distancing like I am. They're not doing it right. What's your response for them? To the ones who are in your own home, who you have never spent this much time with in a week in your whole life, and you're like, I'm just about up to here. I can't wait for March break to be over, and you've got a couple more weeks. I heard uh, somebody say, you know, it's been a few weeks since sports is over. And he says, I just discovered there's this nice lady sitting on my couch. She says she's my wife. You know, maybe for you, it's like, it's like you're spending all this time with people that you haven't had and you're, you're stepping on your last nerves. And if there's that thing maybe where it gets you a little bit angry sometimes, to be honest, I think we all have that. But what's your response going to be? Because for some, it's like, man, you're the keyboard ninjas. You're getting on there right away and like on Facebook and this is what I think. And this is, this is, my, this is my, angry, my angry response. Uh, I would just, you know, I love what Paul said to the Ephesian believers. Because back then they didn't have Facebook, but they still had this anger thing and these responses to one another. And he just simply said to the believers there, he's like, yeah, be angry. There's things that are going to make you angry. Be angry, but don't sin. What does he mean? Be angry, but don't break relationship just because you're angry. There's certain things that are more important. You know, I tell my, I tell my kids, because I've had to tell them often, and if you're listening tonight, kids, I'll say it again. You know, when you're angry at one another and you want to call each other every name in the book, there's nicer ways to say things. And I would encourage you as Jesus followers, if you're tempted to go online and, you know, just let that anger vent online, there's nicer ways to say things. And I would encourage us that I, I think that our response should be, regardless of our feelings on COVID-19 or how others are handling it, that we would show grace to one another. That regardless of which side we fall on, that we would show grace to one another. In conversations with people who would say they're Christians, I've heard people use all kinds of race, racist things and different things talking about the situation, thinking it's okay because he's, just because COVID-19 happened, that did not cancel out Jesus' greatest command that we would love one another because he loves us. And I, I wondered, have you considered your response to that? You know, the idea of showing grace to one another, people have reasons for what they say and what they post. And we don't always know the reasons, but they think they're good reasons. And maybe you're like, I don't think those are good reasons. That's okay. But I've, I wonder, maybe sometimes people aren't aware of how things are coming across. And that in a time when we should be standing together, man, the enemy's greatest tra trap is going to be that he would divide us that we would spend so much time fighting one another in a situation like this that we actually don't do the world a bit of good. And so I'd ask you, what's, have you considered your response to one another? I like what Paul wrote to the Philippian believers. He said this, and you can, you can see, I'll put it up here on the screen. He said this, don't be selfish, Philippians 2 verse 3. Don't try to impress others in how you respond to one another. He's like, be humble. He says this, I want you to be thinking of others as better than yourselves. And it's not that they're, that they're better, but in value or higher than you or anything like that, but simply thinking of them more than you just thinking about yourself. He says this, verse 4, don't look out just for your own interests and what you care about, but take an interest in others too. He says, why? Because you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That's the attitude that Jesus had about us. And as I read in the early church accounts, uh, Luke 
Luke uh, was a man who traveled with uh, Paul, traveled with people who knew Jesus personally. He, he hung around with eyewitnesses, and he would write down the things that they told him, but he'd also write down his own accounts. And he actually writes about when the church first started. When the church first started, he wrote this in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. We call it Acts. It was just his journal. But it says this, Acts 2, 44, all the believers... All the Jesus followers, they met together in one place. Okay, we're not going to do that part, but I think we should do the others. He says this, they shared everything they had. He says, man, they, they cared about one another. He says, they, they, they would even sell property and possessions and, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. And, and this, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Real people's real lives were being really changed because of the way this group of people decided to live. And I love that thought. I always have people tell me, you know, we got to get back to the church the way it was in the book of Acts. Guess what? We have an opportunity to do that right here and right now. It's a prime opportunity to do that today. And simply in this way, those who had helped those who didn't. Those who had feed helped those who were in need. And I just want to encourage us as a church, we have the opportunity of a lifetime to reach out to our world, to reach out really to actually first to one another and to meet the needs of our own brothers and sisters. And so tonight, this is my encouragement and challenge for you. If you're watching online and through layoffs or through however things are going with COVID-19, you find yourself in a place right now where you can't afford to, put, to pay all your bills and still put food on your table, I know it's probably the most humbling thing to send an email to someone and say, hey, I'm in that place. But as your brother, would you, would you take that step and would you send an email to mark at kingswaychurch.ca? We'll put that link up later. Would you send that to me so that we can find a way to help meet that need? For those of you who are like, you know what? We're still good. We've got margin in our lives and you know, we're, not, we're not worried. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters in our community that are worried, that don't have all of their needs met, would you join us? And maybe like, well, I don't know who they are. Maybe the ones that you see, would you meet that need? But if you're like, I don't know how to meet that need, I'd encourage you to give uh, here and, and, and join us because we, we do plan to help meet those needs. Uh, as we join with the Holloman uh, Norfolk uh, emergency team that's finding, that, uh, finding people that are in need, that we would find ways to help meet that need. Have you thought of that? Have you thought of your response to the one another's in your life? What will my response be? I've had to consider it as well. And so the second one, what's your response to the world? Have you considered your response to the world? This isn't the first pandemic that our world has faced. It's not the first one that the church has ever experienced. There's actually a great article you can read online uh, from the, the Gospel Coalition. Uh, you can find their website just by Googling that. But they shared a few thoughts about what the early church faced. And as you read through scripture, you see there's a man named John. John was an eyewitness follower of Jesus. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that John. He was a, a, a Jesus follower. And he was the, the last of the original Jesus followers to, to die. And at the end of his life, he was old. He was an old man, one of the, the only one who actually got to live till he was old. John, he wrote about what, what Jesus did, the miracles. He wrote about what Jesus said. He was there when Jesus hung on a cross. He watched his Savior and friend die. And then he saw his friend and Savior alive again, which he had never seen with anyone else before. 
and he knew this was not just any other man. This was someone special. And this, this man named John wrote about Jesus, and later on he finds himself imprisoned on an island, and he has this vision of things to come, and he writes about it. We know it as the um, the book of Revelation, but he writes about what Jesus' followers would look like in the future, and here's what he said about them in Revelation 12, verse 10. He says, I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ, it is finally here. He says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the Jesus followers, he's been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before God day and night. It says, and they, who? The Jesus followers, they've defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. He says, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. He wrote about these future Jesus followers. They, would, they wouldn't love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. About 150 years after John wrote this, it's interesting to, to read what the believers in that day did because, you know, that's when the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, everything was going so well. They were conquering. They were powerful, the most powerful nation, and then they got interrupted. They got interrupted by a plague. And if you read the details, man, it sounds like COVID-19 on steroids. It makes COVID-19 feel like, like the common cold. It was awful. I can't even read the details to you. It happened in AD uh, 249. It's called the Plague of Cyprian. And what happened in that time, you know, Italy's lost almost 5,000 people to this pandemic. To that one, Rome was losing 5,000 people a day. That's the scale of how bad this was. And guess what was found in that moment? Here was this group of Jesus followers called the church that nobody liked. Nobody wanted anything to do with and it says that the Jesus followers wrote about it. The non-Jesus followers wrote about it. The historians wrote about it. They wrote this about that plague. And here's what I want to share with you. That this plague affected Christians and non-Christians alike. It didn't matter if you were a Jesus follower or not. People died. Lots of people died. But it says this. Their responses were so different. It was their responses that have been immortalized in history now by these authors. There was a guy named Dionysus of Alexandria. He was one of the leaders of the churches. And this is what he wrote. He says... At the first onset of this disease, it says they, the people who weren't Jesus followers, it's like they pushed their suffering, uh, sufferers away. They fled from their dearest family members. They threw them into the road before they were even dead. They treated their bodies like dirt. They were hoping to avert the spread of contagion and of the fatal disease. But do what they might, they found it difficult to escape. Dionysus would later describe the Jesus followers in this way. He said, most of our brothers, he said, showed love and loyalty in not sparing themselves while helping one another. They tended to the sick with no thought of danger, and they gladly departed this life with them after becoming infected with the disease themselves. Many who, were, who nursed others to health, they died themselves, thus transferring their death to themselves. And the best of our own brothers lost their lives in this way, leaders and lay people alike. Pontius was another guy who added this detail. He says, they didn't, the Christians didn't just care for their own brothers, but even for their enemies, even for the Roman soldiers left behind to die by their legions. They saw it as an opportunity to spread the love of Jesus. The facts are that COVID is not really that dangerous for, for people like me, healthy adults, healthy ch children. We are not in any type of danger to that degree like they were. But have we considered our response? Because here's what's really interesting to know. It was a hundred years after that that the emperor of Rome, Julian, as he was realizing even that the, the empire itself no longer had the strength it once had, he wrote to the priests of his Roman gods and he told them, 
He didn't like the Christians, but he couldn't ignore the way they lived their lives. He could not ignore what they were doing for people. And so he challenged his priests to be more like the Christians so that their numbers in their, in their um, temples would grow. Guess what those priests did? Nothing. Because they had no reason behind why they should do it. But the Jesus followers, they lived out what John said. They didn't love their lives so much. It's not that they didn't love their lives. They loved to live, but they loved God and they loved others more because what was that? That was Jesus' command. The greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor, love them as yourselves. Isn't it true that we respect people who actually do that? I was thinking about that this week. Mother Teresa, man, we, she's a hero to so many. I, I, there's, a, there's a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. I was talking with a buddy about the other day where, uh, you know, um, Desmond Doss saved 75 people, put his life in danger to save 75 people in one day. Man, what a hero. I think about our healthcare professionals, and if you're watching tonight, thank you. Thank you, the ones who go on the front lines. Say, you know, we do too, too often don't realize you're heroes, everyday heroes. But I thought about that truth, you know, every, any one of us could be one of those heroes of putting someone else ahead of ourselves. So what will our response be when our world gets interrupted? You know, do we think about others and for that sake, we're gonna practice social distancing just because it's gonna make it uh, less dangerous for someone else? Are we gonna take things and say, you know, it's a sacrifice for me, but I'm gonna do it because it's better for someone else than for myself? Am I willing to just give some of my margin so that I can help those? I might not ever see them in this lifetime, but. But I trust, you know, that by, my, by me sacrificing for someone else, I'm living out what Jesus called us to be as the church. We could be heroes. But not just heroes, because we're so great. This isn't one of those moments to pat ourselves on the back. I think about the heroes. <laughs> the author of Hebrews wrote about the heroes of the past, and he listed some of them. And for so many, their lives were interrupted. I think about the ones he, he talks about Abraham. Abraham, a guy who had to sell everything and moved to a place he didn't even know. You know, he was, he was 75 years old. That's kind of a tough thing to do. It's tough to move when you're 30, but 75. And then his wife, Sarah, has a baby when she's 90. Some of you are like at home for a week with your kids. Could you be, imagine being grandma with a brand new baby? Man, life just got interrupted for her. For Moses, he was like the second in command. And, and one day, and the next day, he's running for his life, fleeing the, all he knows interrupted. There was a woman named Rahab who lived and thought she was living in the safest, well, she was in the safest city around until it wasn't. And these people, it says, man, they, they were heroes, heroes because of one thing. And here's what it says, Hebrews 11, all these people, they died still believing what God had promised them. You know, they ended their lives. It wasn't just that they had moments of this. They, they ended their lives the same way that they were living them. He says, they didn't receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back, but they weren't looking for that. They were looking for something better, a heavenly homeland. And that's why God's not ashamed to, call, to be called their God for he's prepared a city for them. We're so tempted to think that life is all about here, that whatever this thing is, how it affects me and my, and my freedoms and everything like that, it's, it's all about that, but, but it shouldn't be. Heroes know it's not all about here and about now. The writer adds to the list with a whole bunch of names. He said, I can't even tell you their stories, but one after another, after another, after another. And then he says this in Hebrews 11, verse 39, all these people, he says, they earned a good reputation or a good story because of their faith, because they simply trusted God, had a confident trust in God. 
It wasn't because they were such great people. It was who they trusted in. Because some of them were not great people. Some of them, you know, they're, they're like notorious liars at one point in their life. Rahab, the woman I just mentioned, she was a prostitute. And yet these people were known. Why? Because they trusted God. And it leaves me with your last thought. And tonight, this thought mainly goes out to those who are Jesus. But I would say to those who are churchgoers or to those who are like, you know what? I'm, I have nothing to do with church. I'm not, I don't even know if, there's, if there is a God, but my last question for you tonight is, what's your response to God? Have you considered your response to God in a time like this? You know, something we might not often think about, but it's weird how when things like this happen, we begin to think about. What about? What about? See, the truth is that COVID-19 isn't, it, it, it's a problem for sure, but it actually reveals a much bigger problem that's going on on the planet. And, and there's a virus that's much worse than COVID-19. It's the thing that actually gives COVID-19 all its power. You know, what is COVID-19's power? Fear, death for some, the fear of death for a lot of people. Where did it get that power from? I'd tell you that that power came from this thing that we would call sin. And for some of you, like, I don't think there, I don't believe in that word. But maybe you would just, if you think about it, would call it something else. It's the things that people do that wrong you. People have hurt you. You're like, I don't know what to call that, but I know that that's not good. Or the times in your own life where you've hurt yourself and you're like, I'm not going to do that again. And then yet you did it again. And you're like, what's wrong inside of me? This brokenness, it's, I, it's just there. I don't want it to be there, but it's, it's there. Whatever you want to call it, it results in a number of things. Brokenness in our world, broken relationships, darkness, relational separation. And I'm not talking about a specific sin because I think so many want to say that's all the church is all about. They're just focused on sins. It's not the case tonight. You know, religion might want to focus on individual sins and say this one, this one, and this one. But I just want to talk about the idea, the fact that every one of us, including me, finds yourself in a place where we're affected by this brokenness, this darkness, this wrongness somewhere on the inside, and we were all born into it. Humanity ex exists with this problem. It's a general problem. We don't live up to God's standards of what he says is right. Maybe you say, I don't believe there's a God. Well, if you're honest, you probably don't live up to your own standards either. There's something broken in every person, and yet there's this inner longing for connection. <laughs> it's why we have so much trouble with social distancing, because inside us, we, we know that's not the way things are supposed to be. We're supposed to be connected, connected to someone. There's a, they're connected to something. You know, we try and experience that connection through all kinds of relationships. You watch the movies, everybody's happily ever after. We're like, oh, okay, we'll get married, I'll date. Or, oh, well, she wasn't great, I'll date the next one. We keep looking, searching for that connection that's going to meet that need inside. And yet, for so many, it's not met. And I'd say for none is it ever met in another person. There's just something still missing on the inside. And maybe if you're honest tonight, you'd say, yeah, that's me. I just can't quite put a finger on what it is, though. Can I suggest that the God of the universe put that in you? Wired you with that desire to be connected because he was the one to fulfill that in you? Consider this. Two thoughts tonight. A guy named Pascal said it this way. There's a God-shaped hole in every person. It's a God-shaped hole in the heart of each man that can't be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. And so everyone that tries to put anything else in there just always leaves empty. Not just empty. Sometimes it leaves you in a worse place than you were before. So many have tried to fill it with alcohol, drugs, whatever, and later on it's like, oh, 
<laughs> they were worse off. C.S. Lewis said it this way, if we find ourselves, if you and me find ourselves with a desire in us that nothing in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation then is that we were made for another world. And I believe that about humanity. I believe that God created us in a perfect way, and that's why we know things are broken, and things like COVID and the fear of death and all of that exist. You know, how come your dog isn't sitting there tonight whining away watching a church service because he's terrified to die from COVID? <laughs> they don't care. Your cat doesn't care. Your goldfish doesn't care. Why do you? Because there's something different about you, and there's something different about me. And the truth is, it's times like this where humanity finally begins to think a little bit about what our response to life and to God should be. You know, that inner fear of death it so controls people. And so we try and busy ourselves so that we don't have to think about that. But now when we're confined to a place where we can't be busy, man, that thought's there. What do I do with that thought? We just keep trying to live our own broken way of life in the pursuit. We're pursuing good things. We're pursuing love and pursuing peace, hope, and joy. We just can't seem to find it. The problem is you're never going to find it on that path. The path of me continuing to, to run the broken path, it's never going to lead to those things. It'd be like me saying, hey, I'm going to go east tonight, and hopefully if I keep walking long enough, I'm going to find Aunt Marg in B.C. at some point. I will find destruction and death way before I find Aunt Marg in BC. And the truth is the same. You face and keep running down that broken path of life, the one that leaves you with all the questions and emptiness, you'll find death and destruction before you ever find true love, true peace, true joy, true hope, and true life. So my heart, as I prepared for tonight, breaks for you. Because I know what it's like to be lost, and I know what it's like to be found. Tonight, my hope and my prayer is for you. That you would find him and be found by him. That you would find life. It's why Jesus came to the planet. To show the way to the Father. To be the way to your Heavenly Father. To reconnect that separation on the inside. It's longing. He wants to fill that in you. Not that you would have to go to church and keep rules. But that you could know the God of the universe. And have a relationship with him. To know peace. Because you have peace with God. No fear of death when there's peace with God. It just isn't there. It just isn't there. And so here's the last thought. If sin required death, if that's the end road all the time, that's what Jesus came and said, well, then death you shall have. And he paid a death penalty for us so that it would already be paid in our stead. And then the God of the, <laughs> the, God of the universe, the author of life, life himself, laid down his life for us for one reason so that you could be reconnected with him and you could experience hope and life and joy and peace. There's no fear of death because you're not living for you anymore. You're living for him. And so tonight, here it is. Across this medium of the internet, Jesus is calling to you, not me. Jesus is calling to your heart. And if you feel him tugging on your heart tonight, that's him. He's calling to you to say, hey, let me help you make sense of this mess. It only makes sense when your eyes are on me. You've been running down this road, living with you as the boss, and it isn't working. All I'm asking you to do is turn around and take one step in my direction. And what is that step? It's a step that all heroes take. They trust. They simply trust. God, I trust that you can forgive my mess. I trust that you can make me brand new on the inside. I trust that you can move in and lead my life and direct me. I trust. 
I trust in you that you are who you say you are and you can do what you say you can do. And I surrender right here in my house in this moment. I want to leave you tonight with one Max story because sermons aren't complete without a Max story. Max is my son. This morning he was sitting beside me on the couch and he grabbed my phone. He's like, Dad, Dad, did you know? Did you know that there's an app on here that tracks, you know, your health and your steps? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, He's like, Dad, give me your phone. Let me run around the house and I'll get steps for you. I'm like, son, that is not how that app is supposed to work. That app is supposed to tell me how many steps I've taken. He's like, yeah, Dad, but I want to do it for you. I thought about that. I thought, man, that's the same way. I wish that I could step into your shoes tonight and just take a step for you, but I can't. No one can take that step for you. Your parents baptizing you as a baby can't, couldn't take that step for you. You know, your, your people praying for you, whatever it is, no one can take that step for you. Jesus is calling you as an individual to take that step towards him. And if that's what you want to do tonight, if that's your response tonight, I'd encourage you to simply pray along with me something like this. Heavenly Father, I realize tonight that I need you. God, not only do I need you, I want you. Lord, would you forgive me? I know I'm a sinner. I, I know that I've messed up. But God, would you forgive me? Would you take me as your child and I'll take you as my father? Help me, Lord, to live my life with you as my master instead of me. Thank you. Thank you for loving me enough to give me this chance and this opportunity. And it's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.